You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Let's go in our Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. And uh, we're going to finish up tonight this uh, church at Laodicea. We have been in this, uh, this particular lesson a couple weeks. We'll finish up and we're going to actually jump into chapter 4, uh, Lord willing, tonight. But uh, the church at Laodicea, and notice with me if you would in chapter 3, in verse number 13, uh, verse 14, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. God said, I wish you were one or the other. And uh, by the way, we have in, in Christianity today, we've got a lot of people that are just trying to straddle the fence, uh, just trying to play it on both sides. I want to tell you, just... Just give it all to God, sell out for God, just love God, serve God with all your heart. And that sure makes life a lot easier, doesn't it? When you just live for God. Uh, Life gets so complicated and life, things get so difficult when we allow sin to get in. And boy, sin is, when sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Uh, Every time you mark it down, you say, oh, but it's so fun. Yeah, it's fun for a season, but that season runs out pretty quick. And uh, then it's payment time, and that's when judgment comes. And so we see this church at Laodicea. God said, I wish you were either cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. We saw uh, in these last two weeks, number one, we saw the deeds of this church, and then we saw, number two, we saw the disgust. God said, because you're not hot or cold, but you're lukewarm, God said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. God said, I'm disgusted uh, with that kind of Christianity. And you say, well, I just think God loves, and he does love us. But, but why would we not? Why would we not love him? Now, think about that. After all that God has done for us, for, after all that Jesus did on Calvary, and all of the blessings that God pours out on us, why would we not love Him? And why would we not give our lives to Him? Uh, it, it just makes sense. Romans calls it our reasonable service. It's just reasonable. God's not asking you for uh, anything more. He's just saying, hey, here's what's reasonable. And that is that we present our bodies a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable. Number three, we saw the danger. The danger they were in is because they said, I'm good. I don't need anything. We've got it all figured out. God, uh, you're you're, you're at the wrong church. You you think we got problems. No, no, we're good. We're we're all right. And uh, I'll tell you what, if that's where you are tonight, if you feel like I'm good, I got it all figured out. 
Uh, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Uh, Pride goeth before destruction, and in haughty spirit before a fall. We see the danger. Then number four, we saw last week the decision. It's time to decide, are you going to, uh, are you going to do it God's way or are you going to do it your way? God said, I counsel thee, I'm advising you as a, a financial advisor to buy of me gold tried in the fire. And then verse number 19, Jesus tells this church at Laodicea, he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. That word zealous is really uh, the opposite of being lukewarm. To be zealous means that you have a, a feeling or, or a passion or a desire for something. Lukewarm is, doesn't matter. Either way, I'm okay. Uh, fellas, it's like when you ask your wife where she wants to go out to eat. Amen, Brother Dan? And she says, anywhere's fine. Doesn't matter. That's lukewarm, right? That's just all whatever. But if you do, if you do ask your wife and, and she says, I would love to go to this place. I mean, there, there's, some, there's some passion there. Uh, there. That's not lukewarm. That's, hey, I want to go here. And I, my wife still, I don't think, has ever done that. You know, she's always like, oh, I, I like it all. It's fine uh, or whatever. Here's, here's her favorite. You choose. Well, you don't want me to choose because I may not choose what you want. Uh, but how many of you fellas know that when your wife says you choose, that just means you choose where I would want to go. And fellas, if you can't read your wife's mind by now, then that's your problem. That's your fault. Um, it's, it's pretty bad when you take your wife out to eat and you're still in the doghouse just because you don't take her to the right place. And so, Brother Tony, we were just talking about how you did it right, not how you did it wrong for your wife's birthday. But anyway, be zealous, Jesus says. Be zealous and repent. Don't be lukewarm. Get a passion. Get a, get a desire. Uh, it ought to matter to you this week how you live your life. It ought to matter that you live your life for God and live your life to serve God and live your life to, to show others what Jesus has done in you. And uh, the best advertisement for a Victory Baptist Church, the best advertisement is probably not our flyers, although we have wonderful flyers and tracks and everything we pass out. Miss Grace Johnson designs all that. We have the radio. People hear the radio and they'll say, oh, I, I heard about the radio. Uh, or we had the billboard uh, for, uh, for uh, some time with the radio station and we've sent out mailers and we've done all of that. But you know what is truly the best advertisement for Victory Baptist Church? It's a changed life. It's people seeing Jesus in you and the difference that he made. You say, well, I don't even know if people at work, I don't even know if they notice anything. Well, they should. If you're saved, there ought to be a joy. There ought to be a love. There ought to be a passion. And uh, you ought to be the best worker at the job. You ought to be the most dependable. You ought to be the most honest. You ought to be the most committed. You ought to be the best representation of Christ at your workplace. You say, well, I work with other church members. Well, you all ought to be the best representation. But God is looking for those who will be zealous, to be passionate, and will serve God. Let's look number six, lastly tonight, uh, in this passage about this church, and then we will, we'll shift gears. Number six, we see the door. It says in verse number 20, and this is a very, a very familiar verse. I, I can picture in my mind, I can picture a flannel graph. 
from when I was a boy in Sunday school. How many of you remember the old flannel graphs? You remember those? Those were really pretty cool. And I know now we've got, you know, the, you know, high quality picture cards that teachers can use and all that. But boy, those old flannel graph, you know, you had to be really smart just to even figure out what it was supposed to be. But I, I can picture that old flannel graph and there was, there was a door, literally, there's a door of a house and, and there's somebody standing out on the outside, you know, with their hand raised, like they're knocking on that door. And we use this verse, verse number 20, where Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And we will use this verse to say, if you've never been saved, you ought to open the door to your heart. You ought to let Jesus come into your life. And I say to that, that is absolutely true. We should open our lives to Jesus. If you're here tonight, if you're listening tonight on the radio or on, on, the, on the, uh, the website or Facebook, on, online, and if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to say yes to Him tonight. You need to let Him come in and save your soul and, and, and wash you with His blood. Absolutely, I think that's true. But I want you to notice, and I want you to, in your mind, I want you to think about what we've just been talking about. We're not talking about an unsaved crowd. We're not talking about Jonah going to preach to Nineveh. We're talking about Jesus coming through and inspecting his church. So we're not talking about unsaved people here, although I understand you could have unsaved people in a church, but primarily in a church, you've got people that are saved, right? It's the way it ought to be. You've been born again. You've been washed in the blood. And so Jesus is not saying uh, to the unsaved, I want you to open your heart and I want you to open up and let me come in and save you. Jesus is talking to his church and he is saying, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking at the door. And notice what it goes on to say in verse 20. If any man hear my voice, well, you know what that means? After you've been knocking a while, what do you do? <laughs> You use your voice. Anybody home? Hello? Anybody hear me? Doesn't say if anybody hears my knock. Jesus says if anybody hears my voice. He's calling. It's like he's been knocking for a while and, and somebody's, somebody's not paying attention. He says if any man hear my voice and open the door, then what will he do? He says I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. He says, if you'll open the door, he doesn't say I'm going to save you because we're talking to people that have been saved. He says, if you'll open the door, I'll come in and I'll fellowship with you. We can spend some time together. Can you think of anybody you'd rather spend time with than Jesus Christ, the savior of your soul, the one who loved you so much he gave his life on Calvary? And yet Jesus is knocking on the door. And he is calling out saying, let me in, open the door. I want to come in. I want to spend time with you. I want to fellowship with you. Now, I've got a few questions about this. Number one, about the door, I want to ask you, what are you going to do about it? You've got some choices tonight. You've got some options. Now, there's only one good option, but you do have options. You can not answer the door. That'd be a bad option. Because I'll tell you how, how, how Jesus, I'll tell you how Jesus operates and I'll tell you how the Holy Spirit operates is Jesus is not going to kick the door down. 
He's not going to force himself into your life. He's going to call you and he's going to knock and he's going to plead with you and he's going to, 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 to call out to you, but he's not going to force himself upon you. He's not going to twist your arm. Uh, I, I've, never, I've never seen anybody come into church on a Sunday morning and they had a black eye, their arm was in a sling, and they had, a, they had a, their, their, their leg in a boot. And uh, that's, this, what, this wasn't Bridget. This didn't happen to Bridget. Um, but uh, uh, I've never seen anybody come in. I say, what happened to you? Oh, I tell you what, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and beat me down this week. <laughs> Said, if you don't get in church, it's going to be worse next time, buddy. Now, I've never heard that one. I've never seen that. But I have talked to people and they said, you know, God spoke to me this week. I heard a message. I got a phone call. I got a text message. I've heard some people say, I don't even know why I'm here. I just, I just felt like I needed to come. You know what that is? It's Jesus knocking. And you're going to have to make a choice tonight. What are you going to do? Are you going to open the door? What are you going to do about the person that is knocking at the door and he's calling your name? You see, Jesus isn't knocking at the wrong door. He's not knocking and then you open the door and he says, oh, Ben, I'm sorry. I didn't know this was your house. I thought this was Perry Dickens' house. Jesus never gets the wrong door. He knows where you live. He knows where you are and he's knocking on your door. What are you going to do? You can ignore it. Or you can say, I'm going to open the door and I'm going to tell Jesus, sorry, Jesus, I don't have time for you today. My schedule's really busy this week. You know, I've got 24 hours in a day and I've got seven days in a week. And sorry, Jesus, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to book you a couple months out. I don't have time today. That's, that's an option. It's not a good option. But I tell you, another option is you could open the door and say, Jesus, I'm sorry I didn't open the door sooner. I'm sorry that I didn't answer sooner. So what are you going to do about the person who's knocking at the door? But then I have another question. What's Jesus doing outside? How did that happen? We're talking about a church. And I understand the church is made up of people. And I know this is talking about Jesus calling out to the individuals. He says, if any man hear my voice. I understand that. But I just, I've got a question and here it is. How did the church at Laodicea get to the point that they're inside and Jesus is on the outside. Friend, I want to tell you, we can't let that happen in our church. We can't let that happen in our homes. You can't let that happen in your marriage. You can't let that happen in your personal life. If you're at a point where you're on one side of the door and Jesus is on the other side of the door, time out. I would even before Jesus starts knocking, I'd be going out and I'd be saying, I got to find Jesus. I got to get things right with Jesus. I got to spend time with Jesus because Jesus does not belong on the outside of your life. He belongs in the middle of your life. He ought to be the one that has preeminence. He ought to be first place. Uh, we, we laugh and, you know, from time to time, we'll, I'll, I'll, I say it more often than I mean to, but I'll say, all right, you know, you're, dis you're not dismissed. This is what I say illustration-wise. Uh, you're dismissed. Uh, please don't forget to get your children. And, you know, sometimes we laugh or whatever. Well, there may be a time that you are preoccupied and you, you get to the car and you say, uh oh, where's my kid? You know, I got to go get him. 
And that's, you know, ha-ha, funny or whatever, and you go back and get your child, it's all good. But I want to tell you something, you can't leave Jesus behind. You can't get so busy and you can't get so preoccupied with life and, and your job and all the, the to-do list that you leave Jesus Christ outside of your life. He belongs in the middle. He belongs in the center. And once he gets in your house, I like this. Jesus shouldn't just be a resident in your house. He ought to be the president in your house. He ought to be the one that calls the shots. He ought to be the one that leads the way. Jesus is knocking. If any man, an individual, if any man, if any woman, if any person will hear my voice tonight, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to each and every one of you here tonight. And I want to ask, is Jesus trying to get a hold of you tonight? Is he trying to get your attention tonight? Has your life gotten so busy that he's got crowded out? He's on the outside and he's having to knock to get your attention so you will open up so that you can fellowship and spend time with Jesus. You can ignore the knock. You can turn on other noise. You can turn up the TV. You can put on the, the headphones, the, the, the noise-canceling headphones. You can, you can do all kinds of things to try to block it out. But that doesn't change the fact that Jesus is knocking. That doesn't change the fact that Jesus wants to spend time with you. He wants to fellowship with you. You say, well, why does Jesus want to fellowship with me? Why does Jesus want to come in? Why does Jesus want to be with me? Because he loves you. He loves you so much he shed his blood for you on Calvary. And his love is not a conditional love like many times our love is conditional. His love is an agape love. It's unconditional. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what happens in your life, that does not change the fact that Jesus loves you and he wants to spend time with you. Verse number 20, you're going to have to decide what you're going to do about the door. You're going to have to decide what you're going to do about the person that is knocking on that door. Verse number 21, here we close out this section to the, the churches, the seven churches in Asia Minor. And it's interesting because, again, John is the human author of the book of Revelation. And it says in verse 21, to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Now, to me, this, this wording and this terminology is very interesting because do you remember in Matthew, I think it's Matthew chapter 20, but it was the mother of James and John that came to Jesus. Do you remember this? And that mother came to Jesus and the mother asked for her sons that they could sit on the right hand and on the left hand of the throne in heaven. Now, first of all, don't you know James and John had to have been embarrassed to tears when you're a grown man and your mother comes and asks something for you. You are embarrassed. Uh, I remember uh, when I was in high school. And I was not a grown man then, but I was, uh, I think, ninth grade at the time. And uh, my dad had told me this, and, and, um, and my mom, she kind of agreed. But whenever I played sports, anytime I got hurt, 
my first thought was always, how bad is it? Am I gonna be able to get back in the game? You know, what's gonna be the extent of this injury? That was always my first thought. My second thought was, is my mom gonna come out on the court, you know, to check on her baby boy and make sure he's okay? And there was one game, I was ninth grade, and I'll never forget it. And, and afterwards, we were talking about it on the way home. And I remember my dad, he was pretty, he was pretty impressed that my mom did not go out on the court. But uh, we were playing this game and uh, we were, there's two of us on the same team. We were going for a steal uh, out around half court and the, the opponent was in between us. Neither one of us saw the other one coming. Uh, I, I really, I don't remember exactly what happened. All I know is when I, when I opened my eyes, I was on the court and I was looking up in the lights and had some teammates over me. And how many of you know it's bad when you don't even know what happened, but everybody's looking down at you and saying, oh no. Oh, oh, you look terrible. I mean, I mean, that is what I was getting. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know what happened, but I know it's not good. And um, I, still, I still, to this day, I've got a scar here. And the best we could figure out is that my front tooth went through my, my, my upper lip here. And it was bleeding and it was bad and all that stuff. And I went out of the game and I didn't get back in that game. I was just kind of, I was kind of out of it. But I remember after the game, I remember my mom and dad, we were riding home, and I remember my, my dad saying something about it. He said, you know what, Jeremy, he said, I was just so proud of your mom. I was just so proud she didn't run out there on the court. And I said, I'm so thankful she didn't run out on the court, you know. But James and John, they are the disciples of Jesus. And their mother comes and says, Jesus, do you think maybe James and John, you think maybe they could sit with you, one on your right hand and one on your left hand in your throne when you get when we, in heaven? Would that be possible? And of course, Jesus answered. He said, that's not mine to give, but it's my father who will, who will make that decision. Well, guess who's the author of the book of Revelation? John. And the last letter to the last church, here's what Jesus says in verse number 21. To him that overcometh. The, the one that is victorious, the one that overcomes the world, the flesh, and the devil, the one that overcomes in battle, not the one that gives up, not the one that quits, but the one that is faithful, the one that overcomes, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Now, this is powerful to me. First of all, we see that Jesus promises a reward for those who will overcome, for those that will be victorious. Now, I want to tell you, if Jesus, if Jesus knew we couldn't be victorious, he would have never said, to those that overcome, here's what I'll do. But I want to tell you, victory is possible for you tonight. No matter what you're going through, this church at Laodicea, they were lukewarm. They needed, they needed revival. They needed to be brought back to life spiritually. But Jesus says to those that overcome, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to grant for them to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. Jesus said, you can overcome because I overcame. Aren't you glad you can, you can look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? Aren't you glad that Jesus has already won the battle? He's already run the race. Aren't you glad that Jesus has already blazed the trail? All we got to do is stick with him because the battle's already been won. And I will uh, set him down with my father and am set down with my father in his throne. I've got a lot I'd like to say about the throne. I think we'll talk about that next week when we get to chapter four. 
because in chapter four, we get a vision. It says it in my Bible here at the very heading. It says a vision of God's throne. Can you imagine what that's going to be like to stand before the throne of God? Uh, there will be a judgment seat of Christ. We will stand before that throne. And what an amazing day that will be. But look at verse number 22. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now these seven churches, I'll talk about it a little bit next week. These seven churches, they, I believe they represent some, some different time frames in history. And I think that's a, a good application. And I think that's interesting to see. But I want to say first and foremost, these seven letters to these seven churches, they were written for these churches and they are 100% applicable to our church. So here's my question for you. If Jesus came to the Victory Baptist Church and Jesus spent a, a, a Sunday and he was in the services and he was in the classes and he was in the hallways and he was in the parking lot and, 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 and he was in every conversation, which... He is in every conversation and he is in the hallways and he is in the classes and he does know what's going on. But if Jesus were to give us a report, I wonder if Jesus' report would be, you know, those folks at Victory Baptist Church, I'm not sure what's going on, but they're not hot or cold. They're, they're, they're just lukewarm. Uh, they, they're, they're just, they're so, they're so complacent. They're so casual. Now, I don't believe that would be true of this crowd, but I'm just saying, I don't know your heart, but God does. And I wonder if Jesus would say about the, the church here at Victory Baptist Church, I wonder if Jesus would say, hey, folks, for some of you, I've been knocking and I've been trying to get your attention because you've got time for everything else. But for some reason, you don't have time for me. Not do you not have time for me. You're not even listening to me. You're not even opening the door. You're not even letting me in. And I want to tell you, I hope tonight, I hope that we will examine our hearts, examine our schedules, examine our lives and our priorities and say, would that be true in my life? Maybe tonight you just need to spiritually get your ears cleaned out and you need to listen and say, am I hearing some, am I hearing some knocking? Is that the Holy Spirit of God that's trying to get my attention tonight? I want to say this. We need to listen. and We need to let the Holy Spirit of God work on our lives. Because if this could be said about a church that existed shortly after the time of Christ, during the ministry of the Apostle Paul, this church probably began and certainly was in existence at the time of the Apostle John. I think that these same things could happen to us. But may God help us not to be the lukewarm church. But may God help us to be a church that is on fire, red hot, fervent, zealous, serving the Lord. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.